0: Hello again to the Foxborough Faithful and Patriots Nation. This is the latest and always greatest edition of Six Rings and Football Things, a podcast presentation of WEEI, Odyssey Sports, and 2400 Sports. Boy, we got a good one this week, you guys, not just in terms of the pod, but the game as well. It's the Belichick Revenge Match. It's the Jacoby Brissett Revenge Match by the lake in Cleveland, no less, as the two and three Patriots travel to Belichick's former First pro coaching home, Cleveland, believe land. Cleveland rocks or does it against Jacoby Brissett filling in for Deshaun Watson and the two and three Cleveland Browns could be a cruel mirror game on Sunday because you got two really good running teams, two teams with bad running defenses, two quarterbacks who are basically game managers who live to thrive off of a good run game and play action. And you got Bill Belichick going back from whence he came to coach again. He's done it a couple of times. It's been pretty good against the Browns in Foxborough. Not quite as lucky back in Cleveland. Of course, the last time Belichick coached there was in 2016. That was the Tom Brady return game following the dumpster fire and complete national insult and waste of time that was the deflategate suspension. An awesome game that was. Love the way that season went. What a season Brady had in 2016. Going to be a little bit of a different story coming up Sunday at 1 o'clock. To help you guys get pumped and jacked, and prime for this one, because I know we are looking for another actual Victory Monday. We got a great follow from Cleveland, our pal Daryl Ryder from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. He's one of the co-hosts on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland, an Odyssey sister football podcast. And then Andy's going to get a chance to talk to one of the best follows in town in the Boston Herald's Karen Gregian. But first, Andy and I have a perspective on Cleveland pigskin chat. With Daryl Ryder. Let's get to it. Okay, Pats fans, it's time to look out of town to get you all set and prepped for Sunday's huge, enormous, enormous Patriots at Browns game, Sunday, one o'clock from First Energy Stadium. Joining us now on the Six Rings pod, kindly enough from 92 3, the fan in Cleveland, a 25 year veteran covering the entirety of the cleveland sports scene so he knows his ups and he knows his downs and he's the co-host of it's always game day in cleveland a sister football podcast on the odyssey sports and 2400 sports network it's our pal daryl Ryder. what's up daryl good morning how are you i am good thanks for having me guys uh, I think Andy wanted to ask you the first question before we get uh, down to the nitty-gritty of previewing this game. Right. So as
1: our Six our six Rings listeners know, uh, Fitzy and I are fond of puns, and uh, I think you may be as well, based on your right or wrong Twitter handle and having a little fun with wordplay. And as you may have known from afar, we have what's called Zappy Fever in New England right now. Bailey Zappy, rookie quarterback. Uh, I go with Zap Dance, Zappy Hour, because you're Zappy.
0: Andy, when did you fold Zap Dance into the equation?
1: I continue to try to add. You know, Bailey Zappy said he has to get 1% better every day. I have Mm -hmm. to get 1% better every day with my puns. So, Daryl, do you have a favorite Bailey Zappy pun you might want to add to the collection?
2: I like the Zappy Hour.
1: Yeah, Zappy so, Hour is kind of nice.
2: If he doesn't play well, you're going to want to drink a lot.
1: <laughs> and cheaply. <I> mean, yes. <laughs> because you may have lost e- some money on the game.
2: <laughs> economically, we'd like to say economically.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or thrifty. We have we, we, thrifty yeah. consumption, we call right. it. Right. Yeah, you know, Listen, you're from Cleveland. You're you're a proponent of eating and drinking your feelings. Uh, you know, obviously we were more of the you know serve us your finest mead in the kingdom of Brady and Belichick over the past twenty some odd years. Whereas you guys, uh, as I may have pointed out when I was uh, honored to join you guys on it's always game day in Cleveland, you guys are undefeated in tailgating because you win everything up till twelve fifty nine. That is uh, a fact. I can confirm that the Muni Lot is still
2: undefeated after all these years. Um it is an opportunity for Browns fans to drink their sorrows before the game. Uh typically over the years they've had the opportunity to return to the Muni Lot somewhere around the middle of the fourth quarter cuz the games usually are decided by that. Not so much in recent history but like I'm just, you know, in general over the last 20 plus years since this uh I guess team, you can call it, has been back, um when they win, they're the Paul Browns. When they lose, they're the Charlie Browns. And unfortunately, we've seen a lot of Chuck since 1999.
1: So Darrell, let me ask you, um, since these are two uh, organizations with rich histories, and now we're kind of going in a rich history in a different direction, maybe, but <laughs> consecutive weeks, I think the Patriots are going to play on a throwback logo at midfield that Maybe the best in football. Pat Patriot made his return to Gillette stadium last week. And I think everybody in Patriot nation ate it up. The players raved about it. And uh, this year, the Browns have added, I believe it's Brownie to midfield there. Um, What does that logo represent exactly? (laughs) So that Brownie that's at midfield, there's actually a
2: couple of different iterations of Brownie the Elf, but that particular Brownie is the first one. It that was the logo that was on the first ever Browns game program when they played the Miami Seahawks in September of 1946, their inaugural game in the, uh, AAFC. And so that that's where that logo comes from. And there's been, there was some iteration of Brownie up until Art Modell bought the Browns in the early sixties. And it was Modell who got rid of Brownie. He hated it um and so just one of many things that Art Modell got wrong fired Paul Brown fired Bill Belichick fi- uh chased Jim Brown into retirement ditched Brown to the elf stole the Browns and move, moved them to Baltimore under the auspices of trying to protect his family's legacy still went broke in Baltimore and had to sell the team and yet this stooge keeps getting you know nominated for the Hall of Fame in some fashion it seems like every year some committee that he's eligible for. But, yeah, that Brownie. And it's interesting because a lot of Browns players, and, and you guys know this, it's a transient league these days. Guys don't spend their whole careers uh, with one single team. So, And because there was that separation from 95 to 99, there's somewhat of a, a disconnect between these two iterations of the Browns. So it was interesting. A lot of players didn't get Brownie, right, because of the dog pound. And that's always been, like, the main marketing thing since – the eighties when those teams were good. But the truth of the matter is the Browns won seven championships with Brown and the elf is like their, whether you want to call it their logo or mascot or however you want to term that. And it was funny because, uh, asked miles Garrett about it. And he just was not crazy about it. He's like, uh, yeah, I don't get it. Like, I think we're a little confused in our marketing. We got like the the dog thing and the dog pound and bone all this. and And we got an elf. And I said, well, you know, the Browns won seven championships with that thing. And he looked at me, and he's like, really? I go, yeah, that's the original logo. And he goes, well, if we win an eighth, I will dress up as an elf. So I am looking for, there. <laughs> if you ever had a reason to root for the Browns to win a Super Bowl, it is so that Miles Garrett dresses
0: up like Elf. That is going to be one shredded elf because I've seen him (laughs) stuffed into, I I think anyone who's listening right now can remember seeing Miles Garrett stuffed into that sort of like Italian cut John Wick suit at a podium once and thinking like, is he wearing an inflatable muscle suit? Because he doesn't look real. Like he's the only person in the NFL who legitimately looks like he has studied under Charles Xavier or is a member of the Suicide Squad. Like he's not a real person. He's just absolutely enormous and maybe he'll be able to make a big impact. He could be one of the, not even could be, I think he's going to be one of the key pivotal factors for both sides getting into this game. And I appreciate the historical deep dive and the Wikipedia entry on Brownie, the elf. I didn't know very much about it as well. I'm a sucker for a good throwback cartoonish style logo. And it's funny that you mentioned that because Andy can also, uh, relate to to this, uh, or yes and me here, because everyone in New England, like he said, is currently just like re-enamored with Pat the Patriot and the Patriots throwback uniforms and logo, yet that logo is like symbolic with our dads going to games, suffering at Schaefer slash Sullivan slash Foxborough Stadium, which was an absolute toilet. Yeah, but it was our toilet. It was a miserable experience and the traffic was awful, they never won, yet there's six championships with the Flying Elvis logo, and yet, everyone wants to throw it back to Reds and that iconic thing. So, uh, it's an inter- it's an interesting dichotomy between the two. I kind of love it as well. It's neat to see it on the field. So let's get to the game on Sunday. Um, and I'm glad we can all agree Art model sucks. Um, so let's start with like let's start with the, some former Patriot connections. Um, how happy are the Browns and Browns fans? with the performance of old pal Jacoby Brissett thus far, given that he was thrust into starting duty for two-thirds of a season following the Watson suspension?
2: Well, it's been a mixed review because he's been great for the first 57 minutes of games. And then in the three losses, he's thrown interceptions uh, late late in the game. Now, when they blew the lead against the Jets, it was a desperation play with like 20 seconds on the clock. So can't hold that against him. Down in Atlanta, they were trying to drive into, in, into field goal range, and he threw another pick with about a minute to play. And then last week was the the biggie because there was around uh, two and a half, three minutes on the clock. They worked to get down the field inside the 10-yard line. He's rolling out. He had just a few plays earlier scrambled for like 20 yards. It was like a Houdini run. And watching Jacoby Brissett, love him dearly, but like watching him run is, is like watching a guy run in slow motion because he's just so big. He's just a big dude. And he didn't run. He tried to find Amari Cooper in the back of the end zone, got picked off. Now, the Browns were able to get the ball back, but... They could have scored a touchdown there and, and won the game. Granted, with this defense playing the way it is, there's no guarantee that would happen. From my standpoint, my review of Jacogra percent, I think he's been above and beyond what I expected of him. He really has, in, in my view. 65% completing his passes. Um, you know, They're putting together... 10, 12 play drives. The offense is averaging 26.6 points a game. Look, I've covered Browns teams where they struggled to crack 19 points per game per average scoring. So it's hard for me to criticize the fact that they're scoring over 26. The unfortunate thing is though, it's still not good enough. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and he, he, he has talked about it this week that he's got to clean up those late game situations. So from my perspective, I think he's been better than advertised or exceeded expectations but there is some frustration with those late-game interceptions for sure.
1: When you look at this game on paper, uh, it certainly looks like an old-school opportunity for two teams that have good running games, bad run defenses. They both might want to just run the ball down the other team's throat, slow the game down, back up quarterbacks There's a lot goes into that. Um, obviously, Chubb, You know, hearing the Patriots rave about Chubb as the best back in football and just how good he is and scary he is. Is that an oversimplification, or does – do you see that as this, that how this game plays out? Just two teams trying to run the ball, and whichever bad run defense steps up a little bit might win the game. First coach that throws it 10 times should be fired.
2: Yes. <laughs> 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 I mean, this should be <laughs> an, Ar- this really should be an Army Navy game in October, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: I, I mean, Chubb is fantastic. And, and I get the psychology. The Patriots have a history of this where they just, you know, Throw bouquets of flowers at their opponents and and tell everybody how great they are, and then secret in the back room they're like, "These guys really suck. We should really take it to them." But that's different with Nick Chubb. He is as advertised, and he's been consistent throughout his career. This isn't like an aberration where he's just having this breakout season. He is. He had a run last week. Uh, his touchdown run last week reminded me of Jim Brown. Like when I watched him, Juke and 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 juke the defenders and stiff arm and truck guys. I'm just like, I, I feel like I'm watching the modern Jim Brown. And I know that's a lot to put on a kid considering what, you know, J- Jim Brown meant to the sport of football, but that's what Nick Chubb reminds me of. He's not a talker. Doesn't talk a lot of trash. He scores touchdowns. He just hands the ball to the official or drops it in the end zone. He's not spiking and dancing and, and doing all these uh, he just lets us play do his talking for him, and it's not a surprise that he leads the NFL right now in uh, not only rushing, but he's the only player to have 100 scrimmage yards in every game this year.
1: So, you wouldn't yeah. rather have Sony Michelle as Bill no. I'm, I'm
2: I am, uh, Andy.
0: Why are you this is our new segment called Picking at Scabs with Andy Hart? Later on, we're going to get your feeling on uh Je- Nikhil Harry if you get a chance. Oh. Uh. Uh, the uh, boy. Yeah, no. I told I, you know, I, I, I always describe Nick Chubb as like the weather. Like you, you, you know, it's coming. You, the forecast has warned you in advance to prepare and either stock up on supplies or get the shovels, the boots, and the ice melter ready. And then when it arrives, you're still like, "Damn, I thought I was ready for it." And that's what happens when you've got like a shredded, cut, quick, sharp, smart, two hundred and thirty pounds of lean, mean football and machine coming at you as well. Um, And the backfields like, you know, Ramondre Stevenson is now kind of forced to take over for what was a two headed monster in new England on their rushing attack as well. And um, I've been a fan for a while. Andy's been saying for a long time, like the day is coming where he's going to take over. And it looks like he's likely going to have to take over now with Damian Harris, having a hamstring injury that could limit him um, or keep him out for a couple of games. And and Andy hit on it before Cleveland's rushing defense has had trouble. You guys have given up 220 yards on average the last two games, which is a shocker to me. Um, what's the story behind why the Cleveland defense has been struggling the last couple of games? Well, two things. One, they lost
2: their defensive captain, Anthony Walker, their their middle linebacker there. Um, that was a big, big blow. Uh, he uh, suffered a, a quad tendon injury, uh, mm. tore it, done for the season against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday night football. Uh, so that that's part one. The other part of that is they've got a couple of young defensive tackles in there, maybe not young from like an age standpoint, but from an experience standpoint in Taven, Bryan and Jordan Elliott. Um, and they've just gotten carved inside. They've uh, rotated a couple of their recent draft picks, late round draft picks, Perry on Winfrey uh, this year that they drafted Tommy Togiai, the former Ohio State Buckeye that they drafted last year. Um, I, I remember when they drafted Togiai, I, I, I had a major league moment. I didn't know he was on the team like because I, I watch <laughs> Ohio State football like, every week, and I never remember hearing Tommy Togiai's name called in, in a game. But um, they're young in the middle of that defense, and they're thin. Uh, that's why they went ahead and brought in Deion Jones, got him from the Atlanta Falcons this week to be their veteran linebacker. He's been designated to return from IR, had shoulder uh, surgery in the offseason, uh, played in their preseason finale, renegotiated his contract because he was making a ton of money for them. They st- like I re- they won't say it because you can't say it, but I think he was an IR stash because when we talked to him on Wednesday, he was like, "Yeah, shoulder's been ready to play, so I- I'm good to go." Mm. It's just a matter of him learning the Browns' terminology defensively so he can slide in there. But I expect to see him Sunday. But yeah, that middle of the Browns' defense there, that inner core in the front seven, yeah, they they it's it's just. A lot of youth, a lot of inexperience, and again, cannot overstate enough the loss of Anthony Walker. That was a major, major blow.
1: Obviously, one of the uh, strengths of the defense, or should be strength of the defense, should be those defensive ends. I know Bill Belichick said that Clowney and, and Garrett might be the best tandem, bookend tandem uh, in the NFL. How have they played, and, and what do you think their approach will be, maybe sort of licking their chops with a guy like Bailey Zappi potentially being under center?
2: Well, when they're healthy, they've been great. Um, unfortunately right now they're not healthy. Uh, Jadavian Clowney's dealing with an ankle injury. He missed a couple of games, got back on the field last week, but didn't see a lot from a productivity standpoint there. And he was on a pitch count and they even like last week went so bad for the Browns. They blew through those guys pitch count. And then of course, Miles Garrett flipped his portion that one car uh, accident. So he's dealing with a shoulder sprain, uh, hand slash wrist injury, Uh, biceps injury. But after missing one game, he got right back out there last week. And again, I just, it, these are human beings. And as someone who has been in one of those type of accidents before, I certainly understand what you, what you deal with uh, when you go through something like that. So it's understandable that he wasn't himself last week. So, I, I don't know how close to 100% those guys are. When they're 100%, I would agree with Bill, even though, again, I think Bill's got the butter out and he's just making everybody <laughs> feel warm and fuzzy over there in Berea, Ohio. But um, when they're healthy, they, they really are a dynamic duo.
0: It's unbelievable. Like I I overswing, uh, you know, on a fairway wood if I'm playing golf on the weekends, and then I'm carrying an injury designation for two weeks. Miles Garrett flips a Porsche going 100 miles an hour, and the guy's trying to play full contact human car crash games for three hours on a Sunday. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it sounds like they'll probably be compromised again coming out this week. Uh, Patriots have some injuries in the defense as well. Lawrence Guy has been kind of key to helping the Patriots run defense. And it's been hampered since he went out against Baltimore a couple of weeks ago. So that's one to keep an eye on from your side. Um, I wanted to ask you back on the offense real quick. Everyone knows Chubb. Everyone knows Hunt. We're going to get a heavy dose of both of those on Sunday. We know Amari Cooper. And give me one other name on offense that Patriots fans should keep an eye on or who could potentially be a difference maker on Sunday.
2: I'm going to give you two of them because both of these guys have had an impact early in the season. One Donovan peoples Jones, mm-hmm. uh, not a household name by any stretch of the imagination, but the Browns really love this kid, a uh, deep threat. Also, they look at him as a, a potential uh, you know, possession type receiver. They are not afraid to go to him in critical third down situations. And the other guy you got to worry about is David Njoku, who I would argue is having his best season right now. As a uh, professional, I had six catches last week, 88 yards. Um, He, he really has come into his own. He's looking I think it's a fourth or fifth straight game where he's looking for another five catch performance. So those two guys, it's easy to get caught up in Chubb and Hunt and Cooper. But if you're not paying attention to DPJ or Najoku, the Patriots could, uh, not be feeling too great about themselves.
1: From a, a big picture perspective, because obviously Deshaun Watson was sort of the overwhelming story of the Browns for the last uh, half a year or so. Was the mentality just you know try to stay around five hundred, and they obviously are two and three, and you know Bill Belichick said they could be five and zero. What what's sort of the big picture mentality in terms of because I believe Watson this week was allowed back in the building can be around the team a little bit. Yes. What's the approach as they they kind of close this gap towards him becoming the franchise quarterback?
2: Well, they even with that 11 game suspension settlement uh, being reached, the Browns never looked at this season as just flush it and let's just play for next year. They really felt like they could come into this year and compete with Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. And quite Look, I was skeptical of that in training camp. Like I totally understood why the because Jagobi Brissett is like one of the most beloved players in that locker room right now he's just such a great guy and he's got mm-hmm. a magnetic personality he's extremely intelligent very charismatic um got a great smile like he like
1: right. was, like what he's, he's freaked he's, out by magicians fyi if you ever get a magician give him a magician he's kind of freaked out by magic tricks he doesn't get them
0: oh that's are you serious
1: out. Oh, yeah. He used to. Is it John Logan, the old
0: magician, Andy?
1: When we had the old team magician or whatever that deal was, and he was in the locker room, Jacoby Brissett would kind of be, like, uncomfortable. Like, he would see the trick, and he'd be engaged, and he'd, he'd love it, and then he'd be like, What's good? What dark magic is going on here? (laughs) What What sorcery is this? So, talk to him about that at some point. I will, (laughs) I am
2: gonna make a mental note of that. Uh, there'll be a time and place for that to come up. Yep, but yeah, I mean, they looked at they could compete and they could win this year, and I didn't believe it. I, I was like, you were talking about hey, if they can stay around 500, frankly, I thought they needed to be plus two above 500 going into that December game with Deshaun coming back for them to have a realistic chance at the playoffs, just because the AFC is such a bloodbath. It's so competitive. Um, I don't think that's going to happen now because if they lose to the Patriots Sunday, like uh, yeah, the Houston Texans are going to get a very nice draft pick next year from the Browns, unfortunately. Um, but after watching the first five games, and that's part of the frustration in Cleveland. Yeah, this team could be five and zero. granted. Sure. Flip the coin. They could be one and four. They're a Cade York 58 yard field goal away from being one and four. But when I look at the Jets game, being up 30 to 17 with a buck 55 to go, and they blew that, that's just inexcusable. Can't happen. Atlanta, they blew that game. Can't happen. Last week, blew that game too. Like, I mean, they have basically given the Chargers tried to give them that game last week. They tried to give them the game. Like, how do you not punt? And force Jacoby Brissett to drive the length of the field to get in field goal range with no timeouts. How you not do that? And you say, "Ah, eh, yeah, balls on our 40, and 45. We're just gonna go ahead and go for it here." And then you don't get it, right? I, I, I mean, Staley is like, "Go play the lottery, bro," because you, you're hot right now <laughs> with hitting right. jackpots. But um, that's the frustration: is they could be so much better than two and three right now with Jacoby Brissett. As their starting quarterback. So it, it's um, if they lose to the Patriots on Sunday it, with uh, Zappy starting, it's going to be an ugly Monday in the city of Cleveland. There's going to be a lot of alcohol consumed Sunday
0: <laughs> night. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's not going to be pretty.
1: It yeah, really we got it. two,
0: two and three teams playing each other. It's not absolute dire must win for either, but it's a bit of a cruel mirror game because you've got suspect run defenses, powerful rushing teams, connections on both sides of the ball, former Patriots and Browns mixing and matching Mac Wilson, Chase Winovich, Jacoby Brissett at all. Um, and, and yeah, the Patriots, I think a lot of Pats fans, some media think they could be three and two, four and one. You guys literally were up in all of those games should be four and one, five and oh, definitely within reach. So, Sunday could be a bit of a referendum game for both franchises and whether this season is going to be developmental and maybe playing for a draft pick or trying to keep up in that bloodbath that is the middle class of trying to scrap for a wild card in the AFC because it's so top heavy with the Chiefs and the Bills and they're far off in the distance from both of us. So uh, I'll get you out on this, Daryl. Which quarterback are you got? Do you think the Browns are preparing for? And what do you got Sunday? They're play, They're preparing for both because from, they don't know. They don't,
2: they don't know if Max was us. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, they're, they look, Bill Belichick is the master mental manipulator. And so they are, n- that's another problem for the Browns defense. Like they're, they're having trouble preparing for like one running back these days. How are they going to prepare for two quarterbacks? So, um, <laughs> Yeah, not 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 a great spot to be in if you're Joe Woods, who the hot seat is getting warmer by the yard and point allowed and lead blown. Um, so I think it's going to be zappy. I think that would be the smart move, especially with the way he played. I, again, I realize it was the Lions, but I thought he played really well last week going back and watching that game. I think the smart move would be to play zappy and let Mac Jones have another week to kind of rest and kind of heal up and, and and things like that. And I am I'm going against the Browns. I think the, it, it's the Bill Belichick factor. He still hates Cleveland. So um, I'm not saying Bill holds a grudge after 30 plus years. But yeah, Bill still holds a grudge after 30 plus years. So I think the Patriots come in and they beat the Browns on their
0: home field to make a Game of Thrones reference. Uh, that I think we could all get a grasp on. He's a bit of a Lannister and they never forget and they always pay their debts. So I'm not, saying, I'm not saying it's going to be a brown wedding or a red wedding or any kind of wedding out there on Sunday, but I think it's going to be a close one. It go, it's a field goal game either way, and I can't wait to watch. Uh, you can follow Daryl at Darryl Fan on Twitter, uh, and, of course, you can check him out on 92.3 The Fan, and make sure you throw a sub and a like and let your friends know there's a great podcast in Cleveland. It's always game day in Cleveland, talking brownies all year long. Daryl, thanks for the time. Great chatting with you. We'll catch up with you soon and have a Sunday, okay? And uh, when we come out there next time, pierogies and Great Lakes on me and Andy. Sounds like a plan. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Daryl.